This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. So anxiety is a world of what ifs and God is the truth of what is. Anxiety is a world of what ifs and God's word is the truth. God's solution is the truth. God himself is the truth of what is. This morning I want to be able to walk through Psalm 121 with you to show you how to use God's word to minister to those whom are struggling with anxiety. Um, who have slipped from uh, godly concern and fear into un, uh, unhealthy, sinful uh, concern and fear. So I want to first start by defining uh, sinful anxiety out from godly concern and godly fear because there is a sense in which we've been given a, a gift by God to have a godly concern for one another, care for one another. Even godly fear of things that are real in this world. Uh, we need fear to, to show us what is not good for us. To have a healthy amount of fear. Not an unhealthy amount of fear, but the right amount of fear to show us what is good and what is not for us. And likewise, we need care. Uh, if, if there were no care, shifting into un, unhealthy care is not good. But if there were no care whatsoever, we'd shift into an unhealthy amount of apathy where we would have no care or concern in the world, which would look like us not taking care of brothers and sisters, us not taking care of our children, us not taking care of our world, us not providing what we need to for those around us. So there is a healthy amount of care for one another that we ought to have and possess. To have apathy is to essentially uh, lose all care, to lose all passion. And we don't want that, but we also don't want to flip to the other side that unhealthy, sinful anxiety. So let's define it. Sinful anxiety, fears fake things, and doubts real things. Like the simple, simple definition. Uh, I, I would very rarely use this in, in uh, company in a, in a sermon, but just for this one moment, just to pull out and show how God's word still pervades our culture in certain spaces. Uh, psychology today, which typically has has shifted pretty hard from God's word, it defines anxiety as perceived threat that doesn't exist. And part of its definition, perceived threat that doesn't exist. I think this is a really good way to look at it. In other ways, fears fake things and doubts real things. Anxiety is really that future, uh, that future thing that you doubt, that you have confusion over, or that you fear. It's typically future because uh, uh, anxiety over future things is different than grief over current things. See, today you might say, well, Matt, but I'm dealing with an issue that's really caused a lot of struggle in my heart. Okay, there's a biblical response to difficulties you face today, and that is biblical grief. Anxiety is not something you struggle with. It's something you might struggle with. It's not something you experience today. It's something you might experience because of something today. So biblical grief says, uh, I have experienced something today that I need to grieve through. Maybe it's the loss of someone you loved. Maybe it's the loss of a job that you needed. Maybe it's the loss of finances that were necessary. Maybe it's the loss of a friendship that would be critical to your health. 
So you grieve over those things. And as we grieve over those things, God restores our heart through the process of mourning loss and yet being restored by God's joy. And so there's a time and a place for grief, as Pastor Glenn will share with you. But there's also a time uh, and a space for overcoming anxiety. And that's what I want to talk about today is when grief turns to what if. When the present looks to the future and asks, what if? Because anxiety is a world of what ifs and God is the truth of what is. Let's look at Psalm 121, 1 through 8, and let it minister to our hearts that we might minister to others today. First one, I lift my eyes towards the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and your going, both now and forever. This psalm is from uh, most likely a pilgrim. A pilgrim who is on a journey through life to, uh, and in this particular point in his life, he's, he's going towards Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a city situated on a hill, uh, surrounded by mountains around it. Uh, Jerusalem would have been at a point where you would have looked up to it as you were traveling to it. So for this pilgrim, he's walking towards Jerusalem, which is situated on a hill, and in that journey, he says he sets his mind on the mountains because the mountains throughout the book of Psalms were a reference to God's presence and His power, His majesty, uh, His wonder and creation. And so the pilgrim who's looking towards Jerusalem is literally looking towards the mountains going, my God is with me. He is my protector. So this question then stems from that truth. He, he, you can ask this question two ways though, right? In uh, Psalm 121.1, look at your Bibles and, and look at this question. Where will my help come from? All right, let me ask it to you in two different ways. The first one is this. Where will my help come from? And it's that question of like, where are you, God? I'm looking for you. But this he, the Hebrew here looks like it's a different way to ask it. It looks like it's like this. Where will my help come from? Verse 2. My help comes from the Lord. You see the difference there? One is asking a question like, where are you, Lord? The second one is asking, or is telling people, where is my help going to come from? It's going to come from the Lord. But aren't we like, don't we experience this in life? Different seasons in life, we kind of shift, the, ask the question a different way. Sometimes we ask the question like, where are you, God? And then sometimes we ask the question like, where's my help coming from? I know where my help's coming from. I have no doubt. And so, Uh, I want to encourage you this morning to be able to look at this passage and go, okay, I can situate myself uh, with this truth. I can understand this truth from my life. This biblical truth can apply to me, to uh, anxiety, to find delight in the Lord's uh, goodness. Because when he asks, where will my help come from? The answer is, my help comes from the Lord. And the response of the pilgrim is to go, the maker of the heaven and the earth. Because most likely what this pilgrim is doing is having a conversation between himself and most likely a priest. So to be like a, a pilgrim and a priest having a conversation or maybe a pilgrim and his dad having a conversation, 
between one and another. And, and they're, they're asking this question like, where's your help come from? I know where my help comes from. It's the maker of heaven and the earth. And so when you're in your life and you're going like, this is difficult. This looks like I'm not going to be able to get through. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this. All these questions come out. He, this pilgrim situates your eyes back on the mountains and goes, you know where your help is. The maker of heaven and earth. You know who's going to be there with you in these difficult seasons. I was uh, running with G this uh, week, uh, yesterday. And um, we set out. We were like, okay, we'll run, a, we'll run this amount of miles, maybe. We'll, we'll try to get in this amount of miles. And so we take off. And we're going through New Windsor, and we're, about to ta- we're, we're taking a loop. And uh, I was like, all right, well, let's just may- maybe we'll take this turn and this turn. But we really didn't have any idea of how, long, how many miles that would accumulate to. But I remember at one point, I can't remember if it was you or me, uh, but at one point we looked up and we saw the, uh, if you guys have been to New Windsor, there's a, a water tower up on top near Springdale Prep. And uh, we come around a turn and we see the water tower. And I think it was you that goes, oh, that looks a long ways away, brother. <laughs> and I, I remember that moment. I remember like, Whew. I think I responded, yeah, that's a long ways away. So we didn't know exactly how many miles it would turn out to be, but we just kept running. And uh, we, hit a, we hit a hill at one point where like, Man, this is brutal. We got to the, we, nobody, we had been talking the whole time. We had talked the entire time until we hit that hill. And we hit that hill, and neither one of us spoke to each other. <laughs> we got to the top of it. He didn't say anything. All I saw was a fist come up, and he just, I just pounded it. <laughs> and that's it. Those were the only, that's the only thing that happened on that hill. And, uh, man, it was so hard. That hill was so hard, but we got to the top of it. And I remember uh, we got closer and closer to that uh, water tower, and then finally when we hit it, we were both like, hey, there's the water tower. We did this, right? Life is a journey from where you are to where God has for you. And sometimes the mountains look like they're off at a distance. Sometimes the journey looks like it's going to be difficult, like you're not going to be able to make it. But this pilgrim reminds us, set your mind on the mountains. Look with your eyes towards the mountains because that's where the maker of heaven and earth is. And his presence is with you on this journey. Do not fear because he is with you in this journey. And so we find comfort in it. Look at how he continues. And every step of the way, he's going to tell you how God is your protector. Verse 3, he'll not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Your foot to slip. When you are traveling on a path, you don't want your foot to slip. Why specifically do you not want a pilgrim's foot to slip? Because we need to take ourselves back to this day, this time. Because if your ankle gets broke on a long journey as, it, uh, as they are on, you are now a, uh, at threat to be robbed because there are robbers in the mountains uh, and along these paths that would steal everything from these pilgrims. Uh, there was wild animals uh, that when you would have to sleep at night on the sides of the roads, they were around you. So you don't want to be hurt because you need to continue on your path. So this is significant when you say, okay, my God, I know you're my protector. You're not going to let my foot to slip. That's like a, he's protecting you in your life. Uh, the second uh, part of this is your protector will not slumber. Slumber was a, uh, uh, a Hebrew like euphemism for military and uh, policemen who uh, would have night duty, like night watch. So if you're in the military and you get put on night watch, something like if, uh, if you're watching so that nobody comes into or is a threat to uh, the others who are taking uh, time to rest, uh, uh, you better stay awake. Well, this was the Hebrew term for uh, don't fall asleep while you're on night watch. And so it gives us comfort knowing that when we are uh, uh, weak, when we are resting, when we need uh, um, some reset time, we can know that God does not slumber. When we're struggling, our God is always with us. He is our protector. He's our protector. He's our protector. All throughout this passage, He's your protector. Now, maybe you're not concerned with your foot slipping. 
Maybe, maybe that's not your journey right now, but maybe you are concerned with, hey, you've lost a job. Maybe you're concerned with uh, you, you, a relationship has been broken and severed and you're, you're just wrestling and dealing with it. And, and maybe you need to say, God, don't let me lose my foothold in this life. Don't, don't let me lose that security in who I am. God, sustain me in my identity in you as a, as a son or a daughter of Christ. And you just need that stability. Just like a runner needs stability and his foot not slipping, you just need that stability in your life. And maybe you just need God not to sleep on you. Like you need Him to stay awake when you're sleeping. You need Him to stay awake when you're stumbling. You need Him to fight for you when you don't feel like fighting. Verse 4, Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. So it's repeating what verse 3 said. And verse uh, 6 and verse 8 are simply going to do that too. Verse 5, the Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. So He protects you, but He's also a shelter. Now that word shelter in Hebrew could be shade. Now you think about a pilgrim uh, who's walking towards Jerusalem in the heat of the day needs shade, right? We need protection uh, over our life when, when, when it is hot outside. I was just uh, preaching outside at the 930 service, and as I was preaching this part, I was like, wow, this is so true. <laughs> like it was so, that sun was just beaming down. I looked around, and there was tents everywhere, and people were huddled under it, and I was like, man, that, that's the picture of what God's presence does for us in this life. He shields us from that, those things that are attempting to hurt us and divide us and destroy us. Like our God is our protection. Verse 6, the sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. Again, repeating that phrase to say He's your protector. Verse 7, the Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. That's a reference to, as I've already mentioned, robbers and animals who would, were a, a, a serious threat to those pilgrims who were on the journey towards Jerusalem. All of the animals and all of the robbers that were a threat, God protects them because they're on a journey towards what He has for them. And finally, verse 8, the Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forever. What a promise. Because God has a plan. Because God has promised these good things. And because God is sovereign to accomplish these things, this pilgrim can take confidence in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So I want you to consider this from Psalm 121, how to minister to those who are struggling with anxiety in the midst of of difficult seasons in their life, to which I and probably you have suffered from anxiety at some point in your life, what truth can we find in here to minister to ourselves and to minister to others? I want you to see what he does first. He first sets his mind on the mountains. As we've mentioned already before, there are times in your life where you're looking so inward where we ask the question, how can I do this? How can I overcome And you know, a lot of times in life what we do is we handle so many difficult things that we ask, how can I overcome these difficult things? How can I handle these difficult things? And they just simply become too much for us to handle. That's where anxiety sets in. We take on more problems than God ever wanted for us. We try to handle them by ourselves and we're unable. Verse 1 says, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Why? Because that's where my help comes from. But we also have to remember uh, that the, the world is full of what ifs, and God is full of what is, so we dwell on the truth of who He is. We dwell, dwell on the truth of what He has for us. We dwell on truth. What is the truth in this passage? He's your protector. 
It's why he says it multiple times. I mean, think about it. If this guy needs to dwell on the truth of God as he's on the journey towards Jerusalem and he's got all these things in his path, if he needs to dwell on God being his protector, how much more should we implement that into our lives to go, God is my provider? Maybe you lost a job and you need to remember every day, God's my provider. Grieve the loss of the job. Don't fear what is going to happen tomorrow. God is your provider. Right? Grieve the loss of a family member. But trust that God has a plan for you. Trust that our God is sovereign over these things. So we're not, going to, we're not going to dwell on the unknown. We're not going to dwell on the lies. We're not going to dwell on the possibilities. We're going to dwell on the truth. Not the what ifs, but the what is. Because God has a promise for you to lean into, for you to put into your heart, put into your mind, and put it on repeat. You know, it's, I think it's important with anxiety to ask the question, where do these things even stem from? What generates these anxious thoughts in our hearts and our minds? Uh, as I mentioned already before, psychology today mentions that it's um, it, anxiety is essentially those perceive, that perceived threat that, that in something that really doesn't even exist. And so I think you could break it down into at least two things, uh, doubts and confusions. Pastor Bill addressed doubts last week. And so remember, doubts, are the, doubts is like, like saying this, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if God will handle this. That's a doubt. Confusion is, I don't know if I should handle this. I don't know what should take place. There's a difference there. Doubting is, can it happen? And uh, confusion is, how should it happen? But both can generate anxiety because often we create problems when there never should have been a problem. Okay, so... Here's some questions you ask when you're doubting. Will I be able to? Will I have enough? Or what if I? And then you leave anything off to the end of that. Will I be able to provide for my family? Will I be able to, uh, to secure a job? Will I be able to take care of my house if I have one? Will I be able to be a good husband? Will I be able to be a good dad? All these things are, create doubts that lead to anxiety, can create doubts that lead to a sinful anxiety in your life. Likewise, confusion are questions like, should I do this? Uh, should I have this? Should they do this? Should they be part of my life? We ask usually doubts are, will I? And, and, and confusions are, should I? And how should they be done? But even after that, we, we have other things that lead to anxiety like, like harm, like physical uh, pain. Things like, I might die if this happens, or I might be sick with, or if my test results end up like this, what if this happens? And all of a sudden, all of these doubts, confusions, and fears generate anxiety in your life, and it leads to what psychologists would say is uh, general anxiety disorder or OCD. Now, there's others. There's many other things, that complications that it can lead to, but what happens over time is fears, doubts, and confusion cloud your mind to the point where it causes your mind to dwell on those things so consistently, so often, all throughout the day, that it actually changes how you think about the world, it changes how you think about yourself, so it changes who you are, and now you, it's obsessive compulsive disorder where you can focus on only one thing, or it's general anxiety disorder where you fear only one thing. 
And when that sets into your heart and sets into your mind, it starts to control your actions and control who you're with, and it shapes your whole life. And so what I want to do is I want to backtrack into what, what your anxiety stems from to better help you to understand how to apply this biblical truth to your life today. So would you at least consider these six steps to help us recenter what we should fear and what cares we should have rather than allowing cares and fears of this world to overcome us to the point of sinful anxiety. Okay? The first thing I want you to do is I want you to acknowledge real threats in your life. Alright, I want you to acknowledge real threats in your life. What that looks like is, today, Matt, I'm dealing with this situation. This is real. It's not a maybe. It's not a it could. It's this is happening today, and I need to address it. Okay, that's, a, that's, that's a, uh, uh, either a grief situation, that's a wisdom situation, uh, that needs, and uh, it requests God's solution to that situation, but it's not an anxiety about what could happen, it's addressing a situation that is today. So we're going to acknowledge real threats, and then we're going to look for real solutions. Second step, you're going to look for real solutions. What does God have for me in this situation? Okay, maybe you lost your job. Maybe someone passed away. Maybe you're afraid of not having enough money in a month. Maybe you say, today, I I don't know if I'm going to be able to uh, uh, go on a trip that I really want to go on because I'm just afraid to go on a plane. Or I'm afraid to drive that long of a distance or whatever it may be. Maybe today you're just struggling with something that's in the future and I want you to just take a pause and look at what you're dealing with, what you have to deal with today and ask what what are solutions for today. What's my solution for today? Because once you can find your solution today, now you can give glory to the Lord. Because what did He do? He said, I know where my help comes from. The Maker of heaven and earth. So we're going to give glory to God for being the solution that we need in this life, for being the wisdom, for leading us into what is good. We're giving God the glory. And then your fourth step uh, on this sixth step is really, it kind of flips things, okay? We go from acknowledging the real threat to now acknowledging and rejecting fake threats. We know, okay, this is a fake threat in my life. Uh, this, is not, this is a perceived threat that is not real, okay? Perceived threats that aren't real. We're going to call them fake. These are fake threats. Perceived threat that is not real. Take those things captive. We're going to reject them, and then we're going to take those things captive and go, every time that comes up in my mind, I'm going to pour truth over it. Every time I start to think about that, I'm going to pour truth over it. Like, I'm not going to be able to. Yes, I am, because God has a plan for me. Right when it comes up in your mind, God's going to provide. He's my protector. He cares for me. He's not going to let me go without. He has a plan for me. He has a future for me. Heaven is in store for me. So we're starting to pour those things over these perceived threats that are not realities. And then finally, dwell on the truth. Dwell on the truth. Taking those things captive and then dwelling on the truth that God has given you. What truth has God given you today that you can dwell on that will overcome those anxious thoughts that come up in your mind? Put those on repeat. What does this pilgrim do? Protector. 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 What do you need to put on repeat? Now, the difficulty of our culture today is this. I think we live in a world 
that promises everything. And, we, and I would think that in a world that promises everything, you wouldn't doubt anything. But yet, we've seen anxiety raised throughout our culture and world more than in any other uh, generation before. Suicide rates, depression, and anxiety are higher than they've ever been before. And you have to look at it and, and ask, I think we should honestly ask questions. Why? Why are counselors in schools overwhelmed? Why are psychologists throughout the world overwhelmed? Why aren't biblical uh, leaders stepping into psychology into that world? Why are all these things taking place in the midst of a church that is vast and growing? What can we do? And as we look at all that and kind of unfold all that, I think this is what happened. I think that largely what took place was real threats were taken off the board. People lived longer than they ever lived before, were more financially secure, contrary to what people want you to think, were more financially secure than we've ever been in the history of the world. There's more food, there's more housing, there's more provisions than ever before. There's less people who are hungry in the world, less people starve every day than ever before in the history, percentage-wise. It's amazing. We've learned how to do safety nets, how to protect people from falling into those types of places. And we've put all those things in place. And I think what we might have done, and I'm, what I'm trying to do is uh, apply biblical truth to, to real life situations. I think what might have taken place is this. We removed real threats and we replaced with fake threats because we need a threat. But what we, what we should do is we should dwell on truth. But what we do is we create fake truth. We create fake difficulties. Uh, I have, uh, I, need, uh, I need two volunteers. Who can I get? Bryce, you want to volunteer? Volunteer you for you? Yes. Dom, come on up. Those aren't volunteers. <laughs> They're both going to the DR. They're on the spot. All right. I'm going to give you this piece of paper. I'm going to give you this piece of paper. Don't look at it. Turn around. And I want you to open that piece of paper, and then I'm going to ask you for the answer, okay? There's a problem for you to solve inside there. All right, open it up. Bryce, what's the answer? 42. 42. <laughs> what's your answer? 27. 27. Where did you put that? Hmm? <laughs> Did you just make that up? Yeah. Okay. That's the answer to everything. Oh, 42 is the answer to everything. <laughs> this piece of paper is blank. Yeah. There was no problem for you to solve, right? No. Nope. This piece of paper has nine, on, nine times three on it. 27 is the right answer. 42 is a way wrong answer. I don't even know where you got that. You guys can sit down. But isn't this what we do in life? We look at blank pieces of paper that have no problem whatsoever to solve, and we create problems for us. Even create solutions to the problem. In your life, there's going to be times where you're going to look at a blank piece of paper, and you're just going to say, well, what if this happens, man? That's not a problem for you to solve. But what if this happens, Matt? But that's not a problem for you to solve. What you are going to solve is what you are dealing with today. Dwell on what solution and truth God has given you for today with a problem that you struggle with today. Don't create false realities. Don't create false problems. Don't create problems that never would exist by asking, should I? Will I? What if? 
Because in a world full of what ifs, God is the what is. He's the truth that we need and the promise that we need. And so uh, I hope that these, these applications will help you. But if, this, if, if the world removes all of your uh, problems, will you replace it with more? And if so, that might be the beginning point of how you heal from anxiety. I want to share with you a few things that that lack of love, that lack of community to drawing them into biblical, good, loving community, drawing them into God's presence and live the life that we couldn't live. In the garden, He chose to do what is hard for you. When you think about fear and anxiety, remember, Jesus knew what was coming in front of Him, and yet He still prayed, if this is your will, I will do it. His anxiety didn't overcome him. He did exactly what we ought to do because he's the perfect picture of life. Then he dies on the cross so that all of your fears, failures, anxiety, sinful struggles would be forgiven. And the best part about this, he raises from the dead so that one day, if you're out there today and you're like, Matt, I don't know if I'll ever get rid of anxiety. I don't know if I'll ever stop being depressed. I don't know if I'll ever come overcome this mental disorder. I don't know what I'm going to be able to do with this struggle in my mind. Remember, heaven is coming. He has not abandoned you. Set your mind on the mountains where the Lord, who is the maker of heaven and earth, is there for you. Let me pray for you. Father, we trust you. I pray, God, that you would help to lead us through these difficult seasons of life. I pray, Father, you would be our comfort and care. Would you guide us when we have confusion? Would you assure us when we have doubts? Would you protect us when we are afraid? I pray, Father, right now you would begin the healing process for anyone in this room who is struggling with anxiety. I pray, Father, that you would help us to deal with what we have today and nothing more. I pray, Father, that you would help us to dwell on what is, not what ifs. And so, God, reassure our hearts of your goodness, your sovereignty. We love you in your son's name. Amen.
Send the Mr. Darden slide up. We hope to see y'all next week. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.